Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in two locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information about our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. Downtown campus, how are we? Good? You guys are like two weeks in a row from this guy, seriously? Uh, For those of you that didn't understand that reference, uh, I am Wesley Johnson. I pastor our North Campus about 30 minutes up the road, so I'm not normally here, uh, but this week I've been here consecutively. So, uh, good to see you guys again. Um, What we do uh, on this Change series, if you're wondering what sort of the graphic is and the chameleon and like the rainbow colors, like what's the deal there? Uh, The Change series is simply like a monthly reprieve, uh, a, a break Uh, so to speak, from our regularly scheduled Bible teaching uh, to get some good illustrations of why we teach the Bible. Right. Have you ever wondered, like, why, why do we do that? Like, why do we uncover uh, the lexical depths of a 2,000-year-old book? Like, what's, what's the point? What's the purpose? Why would we do that? Um, well, the Changed series is a monthly reminder of why we do that, because we tell stories uh, of people whose lives have been impacted by that very text that we work with on a weekly basis. And so uh, we just wanted to give you, in 2016, at least 12 illustrations Uh, each month of why we continue to plumb the depths of this book called the Bible, because when you see what it does in people's lives, uh, I think you'll realize that we give our time to it uh, in a way that is warranted. And so I've got with me today Jessica Wilson, uh, a woman who needs really no introduction on either of our campuses. Uh, She is our children's coordinator, so she's the reason that your kids like it here. Um, If I had that job, I'd be like, here's some goldfish, don't talk to me, you know what I mean? But she's, she's excellent, you know. Uh, things are, are really tight in the way that our kids' ministry is run, and so we have Jess to thank for a tremendous amount of that. Uh, on top of that, she is a, a very close uh, family friend uh, of me and my wife, uh, and, but even more importantly than, than any of those things, uh, she's a faithful follower of Jesus, and she's got a story to tell today that I believe will be of tremendous assistance to you. Is there anybody in the room who's ever wrestled with the question of their calling? Like, what, what has God called me to do specifically. Um, That's a good, right, and healthy wrestle because Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says that uh, God had, before the foundations of the earth had been laid, he had actually planned out good works in advance for you to do. I didn't make that up. It's in the Bible in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. I'm not just trying to add value to what's about to go down like it says that, right? So, So that means that God specifically has some things that he saved you so that you could accomplish, Now, that makes it an incredibly important question then to say, well, what are those things, right? How how do I discern God's call specifically, uniquely on my life? And then for some of you, perhaps you know the what. I know what he's called me to, and and you're wondering this. Well, when? When do I do that? Anybody been there, right? Like, okay, uh, I've been single for a while. I think he told me to have a man, right? When's that going to happen, right? I mean, anybody, you know, like you can have the what pinned down and still be waiting for the when, like that's still a question. So how do you get your arms around that? God's calling your life. What about why? Okay, I feel like you've called me to this, but maybe it's not comfortable. Maybe it's not in my normal realm of processing and this doesn't seem to make sense. Why would you call me that? If you've had any of these kinds of wrestles in your journey, 
with Jesus, then Jess's story will be of tremendous help to you because there's four things that I believe you'll be able to pick out as themes in her story that took her from ambiguity concerning her call to clarity. And that's, I think, probably what most of us are looking for, that we could go from a little bit less ambiguity to a little bit more clarity so that we can take steps forward. And the four things that I just want you to take note of as you listen to her story is, one, the way that she leaned into right study of God's Word. I know it's shocking that you would hear a pastor say anything about, like, you should read your Bible. I wanted to come out of left field on that, but you'll notice that as a theme in her story. Uh, You'll also notice as a theme that she gave herself to legitimate prayer. Uh, And I don't mean like, God, thanks for these eggs uh, and bacon, and then I'm going to go to the office, but like gave herself to legitimate prayer. You'll find that she gave herself to solitude. That's an uncommon concept in a 21st century Western context where we're always plugged into something and screens are always on. The idea of of solitude is just weird to us. But you'll find that she gave herself to that. And and finally, you'll you'll find that she leaned into Christian community, uh, that she sought counsel, that she put herself around people who could speak into her situation. And when those four things came together, they became a recipe for her to be changed pretty dramatically. So now I'll stop talking and let Jess start talking. Thank you, Wesley. Um, Like you said, my name is Jess. Um, I'm the children's coordinator for Revo. I haven't always been in that role. Um, I moved here in May of 2010 to the Winston area to, as part of the church planning foundational team um, to plant Revo. And I served in various volunteer capacities for our world at both campuses until last November when I joined the staff. And um, so I have a lot of stories that I could tell you about my journey, about my time here, but I'm going to focus on the last three years of my time here. Um, but before we jump into the story, I want to pray for us. So, Lord, you're good. Um, we are um, thankful that you are here, and so we're asking for your presence to come here in a real and evident way this morning. Um, Lord, as I tell my story, which um, more so is your story, and so, Lord, I'm just asking you to speak in the words that I say. May your presence move in here this morning, and Lord, as we were singing, um, it just came on my heart. Lord, may we bow down before you. Um, may we put ourselves in front of you and just give ourselves over Um, to you so that you can work in our hearts and show us what you have for us and that we'll be obedient to that. So, Lord, um, just work this morning. Just be here in a real and evident way um, and just know that we love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I'm going to start my story in the summer of 2013. I was working as a summer intern for Revo, learning the ins and outs of children's ministry, what that looked like, and also planning our service opportunities for the summer. And so what that looked like for us was doing some backyard Bible clubs with kids in the community. And so Paul Davidson, who some of you know, and Wesley had met a property manager in Rural Hall and passed along the contact information. And so I got in touch with this person and started to plan what it would look like for us to go there each week and do a backyard Bible club with the kids there. And so we went out there every week with a box of supplies, um, some snacks, some water coolers, um, and just taught the kids about Jesus and played games with them uh, each week. And uh, we had a lot of fun that summer. I I don't remember everything that we did. I don't remember all the stories or the curriculum that we did or the games that we played, but I remember some things. I remember that I loved those kids. I remember that they loved us. They would, uh, when our cars would pull up, they were like, they're here, and they would all come running out of their apartments, and and we had a lot of fun. And I remember the last week 
we took a pop-up tent out there because it was really hot. And I remember um, standing under the shade of that pop-up tent and preaching the gospel to the kids and just sharing that with them. And I remember that we had about 25 boxes of Nike tennis shoes because we saw a need um, for the kids there and we wanted to give them new tennis shoes to go to school with that year. So I remember all those things. I remember just loving it. Um, But the summer ended and the fall started and I was a teacher. And for those of you that are teachers or no teachers, you know that the fall, the beginning of the school is a hectic time. And so my schedule got crazy and I those things that we had done the summer before just became memories. And so if you fast forward with me to the summer of 2015, we decided to go back and do Backyard Bible Clubs again as part of our summer outreach. I was kind of in the same role again, and we decided it made sense for us to go back to Woodbriar. We'd been there before, and we knew some of the kids, and they had allowed us to come there, so we were going to do that again. And so we began going, and I put out a sign-up sheet at the North Campus so that we could have a team of people. And we had a great team of people that signed up each week to serve those kids and and love them, and, and we had so much fun. And we started going, and after that first week, uh, something was different for me from the first time. I remember that I began praying a prayer during that time. I began to pray that God would allow us to continue the ministry that we were doing there even after the summer. And I began to pray that God would send a point person who would be the person that would spur on that ministry and that he would send us a team. And I just said, God, if you want us to continue to work with these children, if you want us to continue to reach Woodbriar Apartments, I need you to send people. I need you to send a person. I need you to send a team. And so I'm praying this prayer, and we're going out there week after week loving these kids with the same bucket of supplies and uh, snacks and water coolers and just having fun with them. And meanwhile, I'm praying this prayer, and we're going out there week after week, and my life is in a pretty major transition. The fall before, in 2014, I lost my uncle to pulmonary fibrosis. And that was a really hard and difficult thing for me. He was and still is the closest relative that I had ever lost. And I just didn't grieve in that time well. Um, I struggled with that. There was a lot of pain. Um, But as God does, he used it. Um, he began to teach me things. He began to grow me. He began to show me more of who I am and more of who he was. And he began to teach me that my priorities maybe weren't where they should be. And I just grew more and more and more during that time. And um, it was a hard process, but it was a good process. And also during this time, God solidified my calling in May of 2015. 15, I quit my teaching job. Um, God had called me into full-time ministry. Now, teachers, teaching is a ministry. I fully believe that, and I know that. But he was calling me to do something full-time. And so even though I didn't know what that was going to look like or where that was going to be or when that was going to happen, I knew that I had to take a step of faith and say, okay, God, if you're calling me to do this, then I'm going to you know, close this door and be ready for the next open door. And so... Um, No matter how many times I wanted God to send me this big, blaring, neon sign to tell me what he had for me, he never did that. Um, Don't we want that? We want that sign. We say, okay, God, you've called me to do this. Now just tell me what it is. Like, if you're calling me to do it, then you should have the plan, and you should want me to know the plan. And so I was frustrated with that um, during that time. But I'll tell you, I'm so thankful that he doesn't always give us what we ask for. 
um, that he says no sometimes or he says wait. And um, I'm thankful for that time. God taught me so much during that time. Um, I really had to lean into him and just uh, abide in him and learn from him and grow in him. And that process was so important. And I say that because sometimes peace in a situation does come expeditiously. And we do get that immediate peace of what God's called us to do, but sometimes we don't, and that's not my story, and it may not be your story either, that the process may be part of what you have to learn, and it may be difficult, and it may be hard like my process was, and so be encouraged that just because things are hard, and just because they're not, um, just because you're struggling, and just because there may be some doubt, or some anger, or some difficulty with it, doesn't mean that you're not following God's will, um, because I've been there, and I've lived it, um, and sometimes the process is important. And so I'm going through all of these things. And meanwhile, summer is starting to end. And I'm still praying my prayer. And God answered my prayer. And it was really good. And uh, I remember the first conversations that I had with a woman that's a member of our North Campus named Laura Hopkins, where she began to tell me the heart that she had for the kids of Woodbriar. And um, she said, Jess, we just can't leave. Like, we have to keep doing this. And when she told me that, I knew um, that that was my desire and that was my heart and that I'd been praying this prayer. And so that gave me the, the will to keep going, um, even though there were some unknown things. And so with, with Laura and with Wesley and Heather and a couple of other volunteers, about four or five of us, even though there had been an end date to what we were doing, we just kept going. We said, you know, we're going to keep doing it. And so we just kept going week after week. We did have a growing concern, though. Um, all of these backyard Bible clubs had been outside. Uh, we, it was summertime, and so we were able to do that. But fall was coming, and winter wouldn't be far behind it. And that meant that it would get dark earlier, and that meant that the cold was coming. And we relied on the outside space to do what we did. And so we knew that something was going to have to change. And so Wesley and I began to brainstorm and say, how are we going to make this happen? And in the the conversation changed. At the beginning, it was, can we continue to do this apartment ministry? And it quickly changed from can we to how are we going to do it? We knew what we were doing there was too important to stop. We knew what we were doing there. We had momentum, and with, with these children, we knew that what we were doing there was, was important, and, and God had called us to be there, and so we just knew that we had to keep doing it. And so we're having these conversations and I'm still in this major life transition trying to figure out what God's called me to do. And I'm seeking his plan for my future. And what, what I'll tell you is, when I started to pray that prayer at the beginning of the summer, that prayer wasn't for me. Um, I wasn't praying, God, teach me how to be this person that's going to keep doing this. He was, I was praying that prayer for someone else. I was praying that he would send me someone that I could equip and that I could train, and that I could um, show how we do backyard Bible clubs, and that they could take on a team and continue to do that. Um, the reason why is because I fully believed that within the next year, I would be moving home, fundraising, and moving to Italy to be a full-time missionary. That's the plan that I believed that God had for me. And so, in that decision, the weight of the decision to move across the country and leave all these people that I loved and to do this monumental thing was what really brought me to my knees more and more in a way that I never had um, prayed before. I began to pray with desperation and with um, regularity and with um, just a heart that really was seeking God and wanted to know him. Um, and so I just began to pray during that time in a way that I never had before. 
I also began to spend time in solitude. For the first time, really, throughout my uh, walk with Jesus, I began to get alone and meditate um, and really seek him out, not only asking him questions, but spending time intentionally listening to what he was asking me, you know, what he was calling me to do. I, I would pray a prayer, and then I would say, okay, I'm going to listen for the answer. And sometimes I would keep listening, <laughs> and sometimes I had to be still, and sometimes I just had to um, just learn more about who he was, or sometimes he would teach me more about who I was, and um, just spent that time, and that time was so beneficial, and it, and I just drew really close to God during those times of solitude, and so during this time, I'm praying all these things about my own personal life, my own personal calling. I'm also praying about this other person that's going to come and lead this ministry in the apartments, and one of the things that Wesley and I had talked about as we were planning was the possibility of a person moving into the apartments and, you know, being a, a place where the kids could come in and um, they could, we could do our ministry inside their apartment. And so I began praying, Lord, if that's the path that you want us to take, then show me who that person is or give us an idea as we brainstorm, um, give us um, some clarity in who that was. And so I'm praying all these things and um, in the cold, starry nights of that, that fall that I spent outside um, under the stars because that was something that just drew me towards God and his awe and his presence. Um, God began to show me that over that last time during the summer, he had been crafting and molding my heart to be the person that loved those kids. He'd been teaching me and training me to be the person that would lead them. Um, and that would be an instrumental part in the ministry there. And so when I ask who, God said you. He said, you're the person that I want to do this. And um, so I l left that time uh, feeling excited and nervous and thinking that maybe I was crazy. And so the next thing that I remember is walking into Camino Bakery. Wesley and I had been meeting regularly, like almost weekly, to figure out what we were going to do and how we were going to keep this going and how we could, you know, propose something to, um, to our church and, you know, just figuring out what that looked like. And so I walked in there with this nervous confidence because, like I said, I, I was confident that God was calling me to do this but also terrified and thinking I was crazy. And so I walked in there and, and you know, we're talking. We get to the part of the conversation where we're going to, you know, brainstorm who could possibly move into the apartments, who could we ask or um, who should we, you know, intentionally pray for. And kind of like sheepishly, I was like, I think it's me. <laughs> and Wes said, that was easy. <laughs> and um, I just remember us leaving. We were excited. We knew that um, we had been both diligently praying there had been a lot of other people that had come alongside us in prayer for this and so we knew that when God gave us an answer it was his answer and and we had clarity about it and so we were excited but we knew that all the details had to fall into place and so the next season of time is just figuring out details and working out those things and this was the time that I can tell you I really um, leaned into my community um, asking a lot of questions of you know um is the, you know is everything going to be you know is everything going to be okay? What are the things that I should worry about? What are the things that I need to consider in preparing for this? And the reason I say those things is because if you don't know anything about Woodbriar Apartments, it's not a nice place to live. Um, there are concerns in living there, safety concerns, 
physical concerns, um, just, just a lot of things that I had to think about and that I had to process through. Even though God was calling me to do this, these were things that I needed to prepare myself for, and that was a time of preparation and of growth. And so I really leaned into my community. Before that, I would tell you, I would deal with things on my own. I would hold things inside. I would be like, I'm good. Like, I got it. Um, that, that's just my personality a lot of times. And so God really during that time uh, taught me a lot about community, about vulnerability, about just being open with people. And um, he really used that time um, to just teach me a lot and to just prepare me and encourage me and help me to grow um, through that time in a way that I really needed to do that. And um, I'll ju just that, that time in that community was just so important for me. And um, I will tell you that uh, as I shared this with more and more people, there was pushback. Um, I was talking to my best friends about it. You know, I was talking to my family, um, my mom, who's here right now. I, I love her, but she, of course, she's going to worry about me. She's going to care about me. She's going to want what's best for me. I'd already taken her through the thought of going to Italy, and now I was taking her through the thought of moving into this apartment complex that might not be safe. And so um, there was pushback, and people asked me questions, you know, are you going to be safe? Is this the only way that this can happen? Um, do you have to do this alone? And, you know, all these different questions. And um, I, don't, uh, I don't think that that's a bad thing. I don't blame anybody for asking me those questions at all because they were concerned about me. They cared about me. They wanted what was best for me and my well-being. Um, the thing that I realized about those questions were, uh, and those concerns were that they were about me. They were about my safety, my well-being, and what was best for me. And during this time, I was praying prayers that were uh, counter to that. I was praying prayers that, God, I want you to sh show me what you have for me. I want to do what you've called me to do, no matter the cost. For your glory, show me what you have for me. And I'm, I've counted the cost, and I'm willing to do whatever you've called me to do no matter what that takes. And when you're praying prayers like that and God calls you to do something, you have to be obedient to it no matter what it is, no matter if what, what's at stake. You have to do those things. And so um, just thankful for that time and that process and, and even the pushback because what I got to see was that in the world's eyes, I was taking a step backwards. Um, but God didn't call me to do what was best in the world's eyes. He called me to do what he, what he wanted for me, what he had for me, and what was best uh, for his glory. And so... Um, that meant that I had to um, submit to whatever the answers were to the prayers that I was praying. And um, I'll never forget kind of the final conversation that I remember having um, was in my office. Um, Wesley had come in, and we had been talking a lot of a lot of the time about this. You know, he and Heather had been a huge help to me, a huge part of my community. Um, I'll just plug that really quick. If you don't have Christian community, you need to find some. You need to join in our group. You need to go up to somebody and say, hey, be my Christian community. Like, you need those people because, man, it's, it's incredible what Christian community can do in your walk with Jesus and in, in your life. And so um, just a little plug for that because it's so important. But um, they had been there for me. And even though he'd been there through this whole process, um, I had never really just asked him what he thought about it. Like, what would you do? What, what do you think I should do? And so I finally just asked him. I said, you know, Wes, you, you know what's going on. What, what should I do in this situation? Or what would, you, what would you tell me to do? And I'll never forget what he said. He said, the Christian life should be marked by some level of risk. Um, and he said some other things. And he said, I think you should do it. And um, that conversation was so important to me because I'd never 
um, put the word risk into it. I'd talked about the concerns and I'd worried about things, but that word risk put the word to what I knew in my heart was that, yes, this was a risk, but it was something that God was calling me to do. And yes, there were things that I had to consider, but this was a risk worth taking, and I knew in my heart that it was a risk that I had to take. And so on November 7th, 2015, I moved into Woodbriar Apartments. And um, guys, God didn't call me to get on a plane. He didn't call me to reach a group of people that I had never, that I didn't know. He wasn't calling me to something completely different than what I was already doing. What God called me to do is to get in my car and drive 2.7 miles down the road to an apartment complex with kids that I already loved, with, in a place that I already knew and had invested my time in. He called me to people that were right in front of me. And that was so monumental for me because I realized I just needed to open my eyes and reach the people that were right there, that God had given me a heart for and a gifting to love. And guys, during, when I realized that transition, I knew that there were some questions that I had to ask myself. There, they, it was just, just natural for me to ask questions like this. And I, I just started to think, you know, how did I get to the point where I was praying prayers like I was praying? How did I get to the point where I was willing to be obedient to God's call? Because two years before I was willing to be obedient, I'd been in the same place. Why did I not pray those prayers then? Do I, I don't know if I would have been willing to do it then. I, I don't think I was anywhere near ready for that. But I don't know. But I, I just thought, you know, how did I get from the summer of 2013 to the summer of 2015 and the outcome be so different? And so what I started to think about was the two years in between those times. And I, when I really sat and reflected and looked on those things and I saw the process of my change during that time, I really began to see that God worked when I began to get serious about his word. When I began to get serious about studying his word, about knowing his word, about just reading it regularly and um, just having a desire to understand it. When I began to legitimately pray, when I began to do those things, God changed me. He equipped me. His word made me ready to be obedient for the things that, like Wesley said earlier, he prepared in advance for me to do. He was equipping me during that time. And then whenever he called me and he implanted that prayer in my heart and he was working and stirring that calling in me, I was ready to say yes whenever he called me to do that. And I believe that scripture speaks to this so much. And so if you want to turn, um, you can turn if you can to 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, or it will be on the screen. Um, I'm just going to read some verses this morning. Um, it says this, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. It says that scripture is profitable for us, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. When we read God's word, we're being trained in righteousness. We're being trained to do the things that he's given us to do, that he's called us to do. Though 
those obedience is necessarily going to follow because he's training us for it. That's what it's telling us. It's telling us that scripture is training us. So as we're being trained, we're more and more getting closer to the things that God has called us to do, and we're going to be quicker to say yes. Um, you guys will hear our pastors, Wesley and Nathan, say this over and over about how important it is to read your Bible, to study it, um, to, to just uh, to have a love for the word. And a lot of times we think, well, that's, that's so simple and it's so easy. But I'll tell you, when you really get serious about it, I've seen it in my own life. I've seen the change that it will make when you really get serious about wanting to know his word, about desiring, about loving it and studying it and really letting it transform. Because, guys, when we do those things, God will transform us. In Romans 12, 1 through 2, speaks to this process. Um, Obedience happens when God becomes the most important thing and we see him as more valuable than anything. And so let's read uh, verses 1 through 2 of Romans 12. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Guys, when we let the Bible guide our thinking, we begin to think more like God thinks. We begin to do the things in these verses. You know, I used to always just focus on the end part of that verse about the will of God. I wanted to know his good, pleasing, and perfect will, but I didn't read the things in, in the verses that talked about how we get to that point. And, and there are some. It talks about... Um, dwelling in the mercies of God. Um, I don't know about you, but when I dwell in the mercies of God, when I sit, when I spend time in solitude, when I think about those things, the mercy, when you really think about what God has done for us and the mercy that he's shown us, it will change you. Um, it, it has to because it's incredible. It's amazing. It's powerful. It's transformative. Um, it also talks about presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and accepting to God, holy and acceptable to God. Um, when we are really focusing on the scriptures, we're going to give ourselves over. We're going to want to say, okay, God, take, take everything. Um, I give you my resources. I give you my time. I give you myself. I give you those things and use them for your glory. We're going to not be conformed to this world. We're going to do things that the world looks at and says, that seems backwards. Why are you going, taking a step backwards? But we know, yes, in the world's eyes, that's a step backwards, but in God's eyes, we're, we're walking in obedience. Um, and the last thing it says you'll be transformed by the renewal of your mind. I love that. When we are reading God's word, the things that are important to God become most important to us. He transforms our mind to think like he thinks, to desire the things that he desires, to want the things that he wants. And guys, when our minds become transformed, that obedience that seemed like a mountain before, it doesn't seem so big anymore. Because we desire to do the things that God has called us to do. The desires that he has for us become our desires. And so that step of obedience becomes just a little small thing to do. Um, just the next step that we're taking in our relationship with God. The next thing that he's called us to do. And guys, I'll tell you, from that comes so much joy. In Psalm 37, verse 4, it says this, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I love that verse. But oftentimes we don't see the command at the beginning. It's a command. It says, Delight yourself in the Lord, 
and he will give you the desires of your heart. When we delight ourselves in God, when we experience the joy that he has for us, what becomes the desire of our heart? God, because he becomes most important to us. And I believe that joy and obedience are tethered together. They have to be. Because what happens is when we're obedient, God gives us that joy, and then that joy produces more obedience because he becomes the most important thing to us, because we want to do what he's called us to do, because our minds have been transformed to think like he does, and so we have more joy, which then produces more obedience, which then produces more joy, and those things are tethered together. And guys, we will experience so much joy when we say yes to God. But I will tell you, in those times, it doesn't always come immediately. There are going to be times in our lives when we, when we are obedient to God's call for us, and the joy doesn't come right then. There will be times that we look around and we say, I know that God is telling me to take this step, but I just don't see how there can be joy in it. In Hebrews eleven seventeen, it says this, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. Don't you think it was like that for Abraham? You see, God had given Abraham a promise, and he believed that Isaac was fulfilling that promise. But then God gave him a command to sacrifice his son Isaac. And so Abraham has this promise, and then he has this command, and in his eyes they seem to contradict each other, but I believe that Abraham did the right thing because what he did was he trusted God to take care of the promise, and he followed God's command. And he was willing to offer Isaac as a sacrifice, and that's what we should do too. We should say, God, I know that you are powerful. I know that you are loving. I know that you have promised me this, and I know that you're a God of your word, and that you can take care of this promise, and I will follow this command, and God will make it fall into place. He always does. And the joy will come. Like I said, it may not come immediately, but it will come, and it will produce more obedience in you, and you will have a path um, of life and joy. God can transform that, transform your path into a path of life and joy. And I'll tell you, in my story, it is this way. God has given me so much joy. I'll tell you, there have been times when it has not been easy. There have been times when I've struggled, when I've cried tears, when I've felt ill-equipped, for the call that God's given me, when I've found roaches in places that they shouldn't be, when I've had children arguing with each other, and when I've not known whether to have the role of parental figure or the role of friend, and, and sometimes you feel ill-equipped in that, and you don't always feel joy in that moment, but I'll tell you, I've experienced so much joy because I've seen the growth in these children. I've seen the ways that God's begun to work in the in the apartment complex around me where I live. And I'll tell you two stories um, that I've kind of had a front row seat in watching um, the life change that God has done. I talked about one of them earlier, but Laura Hopkins, the member of our North Campus, um, I've just been able to see God transform her life, and it's just brought me so much joy. Um, I remember the first time when we were in the lobby, and I didn't really know Laura very well, but she walked up and she said she was willing to, she wanted to sign up and was willing to help at the apartment complex. And I didn't really know um, 
I didn't really know her, like I said, and she was unsure. She was like, I don't think I'm really good at working with kids, but I'm willing to show up, and it's something that I want to do. And so I got to see, as she began to come, God really show her her gifting for working with children and show her her heart for those kids. And God has just worked in mighty ways in Laura's life. She comes every week to our, uh, what we call kids camp now. It was Backyard Bible Club. We changed it to kids camp because that's what the kids call it. And she shows up week after week and spends her own money. And um, she probably went to the apartments twice this morning to pick up kids so that they could come to church. And it's just been amazing to see how God um, took her willingness and her obedience to just say, okay, I'll go. I'll give up my time. I'll give up my resources and really just give her a heart uh, for those people and for those kids and that she's been reaching. And I've just seen her work in the lives of the people around her, whether that's her family, her co-workers, her friends. Um, she's just a light to those people. And another thing is that that has happened in Laura's life is she's become a room leader in our our world room at the North Campus in the room where a lot of those kids come week after week and um, she's just really using her gift and taking um, leaps of faith in her obedience and so it's just been awesome to be able to um, see that and to to play a role in that in Laura's story and the next story I'll tell you happened in January of this year Um, I don't know if you guys remember but we had a pretty big snowstorm Um, The kids were out of school, I think, for the whole week, and there were a couple days when I couldn't get out of the parking lot at all, and so we were stuck, um, but we had fun, and it was actually a pretty good bonding experience, because like I told you, I moved in in November, and so in January, we have all this time to spend together, and I think there were two days that I cooked three meals um, for all the children and me, and, and we just, we had a good time. We watched a lot of movies and played in the snow and did a lot of fun things, but I remember Part, uh, I think it was the second day, I was sitting on the couch with Chloe, who's a 13-year-old girl, and her friend Yasmin, who's another 13-year-old girl, and they were sitting there on the couches with me, and we were just talking about life and, and different things, and our conversation turned to um, Jesus, and we started talking about Jesus, and I quickly saw that um, Chloe had a hunger, and she uh, was wanting to know more about it, and so I just began to, to lay out the gospel and to share that with her, and when I tell you this, I'm, I literally mean that her mouth dropped open when she began to hear the gospel story, when her eyes began to be opened to his word and to what he had done for her. You see, Chloe believed that there were all these things that she was going to have to do. There were all these ways that she was going to have to perform in order for God to love her, in order for her to know him and be in a relationship with him. And she didn't really understand that God had already paid those penalties, that he had already given her um, grace and mercy, she believed. And so we walked from um, Genesis and creation to the resurrection of Jesus and we just talked through the gospel and, and her eyes began to, to really open um, to all those things that, that God had done for her and that he had for her. And um, I didn't want to push her. So she's a 13-year-old girl. And so I, you know, just told her, you know, these are the things, these are the things that God has done for you. And this is how you can pray. And when you're ready, I want you to tell me. And about an hour went by. <laughs> and um, she came back up to me and she said, Jess, I don't want to wait. Um, I'm ready. And so I asked her to tell me what she believed, and she laid out the gospel for me. And I knew that hour before when I 
had talked to her about all that God had done for her and told her the gospel that God had implanted that on her heart and he'd changed her. And so we went in my bedroom and locked ourselves in there because there were kids everywhere screaming and <laughs> just having a lot of fun. And um, so we locked the door and sat down and um, she just, um, she prayed to accept Jesus and God changed her life that day. And guys, that never gets old. That story will never grow old to me. That story um, is, is something that is probably one of the greatest joys in my life that I will ever experience. But I would not have experienced that or all the times that I've seen Chloe's growth or Laura's growth and I've been able to play a part in their lives if I had not said yes when God called me to do something that was uncomfortable, that seemed backwards in the eyes of the world. I would not have been able to experience those things had I not said yes to what he called me to do. But guys, my story can be your story. It definitely can, and that's my hope, is that God will work in our hearts and that he will show us what he's called us to do and that we will take that step of obedience. The ways that we can do that are like what we said earlier. Get serious about reading God's word legitimately pray. Spend time in solitude and in the other disciplines that God's called us to do. Lean into your community. Guys, I believe that if we do those things, God will transform us. I want to go back to Romans 12. I read verses 1 and 2, but I want to read verses 3 through 8 and, and just listen to what this says. It says, for, the, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Guys, maybe God is calling you to get on a plane. Maybe he's moving you to another state. Maybe he's going to give you a new job. Maybe he's going to ask you to reach a people that, you've, that you don't know. But maybe God's called you to reach your family. Maybe he's called you to reach your students. Maybe he's called you to reach the people that you go to your kids ball game and see every week maybe he's called you to reach the people that you see at the gym but I'll tell you this it is not a question of whether God has called you or whether he's gifted you to reach people it's just a question of how and whom Guys, when we get serious about those things that I talked about earlier and when we get serious about seeking out the calling that God's given us, I believe that he will change our city, that he will change us, he will change our city, he will change our world. Because guys, if, if, if my story is all of our story, if it's the story of our church, then God is going to do incredible things in our city. So I just ask you this morning to think about the how and the whom and get serious about those things so that God will show you and reveal to you your calling and you can do those things that he's 
prepared in advance for us to do. If that's the story of our church, if that's your story, if that continues to be my story because I'm hoping that God's not done with me yet, then I just know that he's going to do incredible things. Let's pray. Lord, you're good. Um, I'm just thankful that I have a story to tell. I'm thankful that you have given me the opportunity to love and to reach people that you've put in my life. And Lord, I'm just asking us to bow down before you this morning, to give up all those things that we're holding on to, and just to get serious about asking the how and the whom of who you've called us to. Lord, I believe that you can do incredible things. And so, Lord, just do that this morning. Work in our hearts. Work in our minds. And, Lord, just, just change us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.